All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Uh, This is August 2, uh, the second day of August 2016, and I'm really happy to be with you again. I like to always remind you. Uh, of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and uh, my partner, Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? You can access both of those at miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, or you can call our office here in New York at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. Thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. And encourage you to continue sending along your questions, comments, praises, or criticisms to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. Questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. We do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for this week's show, Trimetals Mining, Coral Gold Resources, New Legacy Gold Corp., RN Resources, Brazil Resources, and Columbus Gold. Well, I've titled today's show, Is the CIA Friend or Foe of ISIS? And William Angdahl will be with us to help answer that question. And then uh, more to the point of where we should put our money right now, Eric Coffin and again, Michael Oliver return this week as well. Behind the financial markets are unseen forces obscured from the headline news. That's for sure. The very little of what is really going on, I think you're told about in the mainstream. Well, William Angdell will help us uncover uh, the pro-ISIS relationship. And for decades, the CIA has developed relationships with ISIS, which it has used uh, as, as an ally against our enemies. And now uh, ISIS is one of, those, uh, one of those institutions that's not so, um, so favorably looked at by most American people, although the CIA, according to William, uh, continues to use ISIS for, uh, for, for some of its own purposes or well, what actually happened, we want to ask uh, William today about the failed coup uh, in Turkey. Um, it, what he has to say, I think, might be very surprising because it isn't necessarily what you're hearing in the mainstream news. Um, what does that mean in the bigger overall scheme of things with respect to NATO on the one hand, Russia and China and India on the other? Well, gold has risen over 27% so far this year, and as a result, I'm enjoying some fantastic profits in my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, uh, miningstocks.com. I'm going to go there. You also can pick up on a lot of the companies that I'm following. I have some news events from those companies that you can go and read about uh, that are posted at miningstocks.com, and you can also subscribe there for as little as $69 a year. Well, not a year, for a three-month period, actually. Uh, in just a few minutes... Um, 
Gary Coffin will be joining me to talk about some of his favorite uh, junior gold shares. And Eric is a competitor of mine. He's a friend of mine, a highly regarded friend. So I hope that you'll stick around and listen to what he has to say after our first commercial break. Well, from a fundamental point of view, all of what is transpiring economically and geopolitically seems to be very bullish for gold. But with the mining shares up dramatically in such a short period of time this year, for example, Silvercrest Mines, one of my my biggest winners, uh, is up over 1,300% so far this year. Many people are wondering if it's time to exit the gold shares and take some profits and get out of here and uh, put their money under the pillow or someplace. Well, to help us answer that question, I'm really pleased to tell you that Michael Oliver is with me once again. Thanks for joining me again, Michael. Good to be back, Jay. Always good to hear from you. You have been so spot on with respect to gold, not only gold, but many other markets that I follow, almost all of them, in fact. You give me a sense of whether I'm on the right side of that market or not. Not necessarily whether I should buy or sell today or tomorrow, but just in giving me a sense of whether you know, I'm on the right side of that tectonic plate. So with gold up more than 27% this year, you know, do you do you see? What are your thoughts now? I mean, is this a time to take some profits, or what are what are your thoughts about gold? Well, normally, when MSA, a momentum structural analysis, calls a, a major turn in a market, whether a top or bottom, we don't like to interfere with that trend or to suggest exiting the trend based mm-hmm. upon counter trend actions, unless we think the counter trend action is going to be substantial enough to where it might be worth exiting. A recent example was we, we uh, urged people to be long crude oil in the low 40s and told them to get out between 51 and 52, which is where it peaked. And the reason we said get out is we thought the correction would be deep enough, at least be 15%. In fact, it's been a bit more. Uh, in the case of gold, since it broke out at 1140 through 1160 price zone in early February, based on momentum metrics, not price chart stuff, uh-huh. uh, we've not seen any situation that warranted exiting because exiting could mean if you exit you may not get back in and i didn't see any dip that would be big enough of the 15 20 percent variety and so far there haven't been there's been a hundred dollar pullback in gold at one point but that's about eight percent drop so that was a few months ago uh i see it as still advancing Right now, we are challenging today. Uh, we traders high as thirteen sixty six on the August contract. If you happen to close at thirteen sixty five, that's a new high close for the entire move for the nearby mm. contract. Mm. So uh, it, it's challenging the high of, of uh, you know a few weeks ago. So it's it's continuing to power ahead. Gold miners are vastly beating it, which is what we expected this year. Vastly beating it, you know, well over hundred percent up on most of the major miners. Silver is beating gold. But still, gold is our barometer, and I still do not see any justification from our perspective to be fearful of a drop that's serious, lasting, or anything of the sort. In fact, right now, I think the, the greatest threat or benefit is if you hit 1395 to 1400 which is to say 20-some-odd dollars beyond the intraday high of a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I think they're going to gush it on the upside, another $100 mm-hmm. rapidly. Yeah, one of those uh, whoosh, up. one of those whoosh well, Another whoosh effect. In other words, get up no. to the, where I do see pending uh, layers of resistance that could, in fact, stall gold for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. First major objective, and that's it's a broad zone between 1470 and 1540. Wow. Uh, so we, we pay attention to that each week in our reports as to what numbers and so forth. But uh, that's what I see gold as right now. I don't see a threat. I see more likely 
a gusher on the upside. Uh, helping that right now, by the way, is the euro. Uh, the euro has been firming. It did some good stuff last week. The dollar index broke some stuff last week that is some of some significance. And if the euro gains about another two cents, it's going to rush on the upside, and that will take the dollar index down hard. Um, remember, gold has done all this this year without help from a weak dollar. If you add in a weak dollar into this, that could that could goose gold even more. Yeah, that might be your whoosh. That might be the whoosh effect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, fourteen seventy to fifteen forty, so still a pretty good run here that's before we have to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, okay. Then. Um, you know, I, I, one of the effects, one of the things from a fundamental point of view that really helps gold mining companies are low energy prices. What are you seeing in uh, in oil these days? Well, we we thought we got a drop from the fifty one fifty two level, which we targeted before it ever got there. It stopped at fifty one sixty seven, and we said, "Watch out! You're going to drop back at least fifteen percent, forty four or in the low forties. It actually traded below forty today. We are not urging people to get back long oil until and unless we get an upside breakout. And we define that each week based on certain metrics that change each week. Uh, right now, it's uh, several dollars above you before it turns back up. I suspect oil will turn back up. We'll go back to that low 50s and go to about $60 by the end of the year. As far as that impacting miners, gold miners, as a cost factor, I'm not sure that's high enough level. You know, Remember, they were accustomed to $90 oil, $100 right. oil. Right. So 60 as a uh, potential spike point later in the year, again, you've got to look at these things over month by month as an average. Um, these companies, I don't think, are going to be adversely hurt uh, by, you know, whether it's 40, 50, or 60. Now, if it gets to be 80, 90, that might be a factor again. But we're not yeah. looking for anything beyond about 60 by late in the year uh, once this correction that we're in now turns back up. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that the fundamental of high energy is going to impact gold miners for a long all right time. <laughs> all right with, with just a minute or so left here michael um the equity markets they the s&p 500 uh, they seem to be levitated still earnings continue to get weaker and yet they uh the, the s&p 500 seems to make new highs from time to time nothing outstanding as you point out it's not like a runaway freight train or anything but what uh, what are you seeing with the equities market? I know you've been bearish, and sooner or later, I know you're going to be right here. But what what are you seeing well, right now? Our, we, we we measure S and P in different time scales. Annual momentum of the S and P is negative outright. Period. Exclamation mm-hmm. point. Nothing more can be said. I then go to more intermediate trend factors, and in February we said in our report that watch out if you're short, they're going to take your profits away. We're going back up again. Uh, I didn't necessarily expect a new high. We got a new high by about two, three percent above the 2015 high, which was 2130 something. By the way, today's low is 2140 something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> you, you look back over time and you keep seeing the same numbers. Yeah. Uh, the uh, just below today's low, which is 2147 and change, if you close a week out down much below 2140, I think the selling could pick up. And you may, and if it drops another several percent beyond that, you could you could have seen the high of the high, and be on your way back down. So I'm I'm on an intermediate basis. We're still waiting with guns loaded, but not firing yet. I want to see a bit more rollover before I'm convinced that it's that it's rolling back over again. All right, all right. Well, very good. If, go ahead. There's uh, going to be some money to be made on the downside eventually. Oh here. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Michael, we're we're just about out of time. I want to tell us our listeners it's OliverMSA.com, Oliver M 
USA.com. Michael just really scratches the surface on this show uh, once a week. We almost have to have him here, I feel. And when he's here, he gives you a few of the things that we look at most importantly for this show. But he covers a whole lot of other things, too. If you're interested in Apple, for example, he covers Apple. He covers almost, you know, the currency markets, almost anything you can think of. And the pro- the issue is that he is... I don't know. I mean, it seems to me that he's so right most of the time. So in terms of helping me understand which side of the market I should be on, and not necessarily every little dip and turn, but uh, to be assured that you're in the right side of the market, boy, there's nothing better in helping you sleep well at night than knowing that. So, uh, Michael, thank you so much for being with us again, and we'll look to do it again hopefully next week. Thank you, Jake. Goodbye. Always good to talk to you. Well, folks, don't go away. We're going to have Eric Coffin with me. After the commercial break, Eric has some ideas and, well, more than ideas. He has some real big profit stories to talk to you about. He has done extremely well. Uh, He uh, is uh, very, very good when it comes to picking the fundamentals of exploration stocks. And you know when you're in a bull market, exploration stocks, that's where you make most of your money in the mining sector. So don't go away. Eric's going to have some very important things to tell us after the break. Foreign Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Foreign is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over two. $200 million. Brazil Resources Incorporated is developing projects with a total of 10 million ounces of gold resources. These acquisitions were made at discounted prices during the recent commodities market downturn. The company is a go-to name for leverage to the rising gold price among institutions and analysts. It is also exploring the highly prospective Rea Uranium project with JV partner Arriva in the western Athabasca Basin. Get to know this exciting company now by visiting brazilresources.com. TSX V, BRI, OTCQX, BRIZF. Coral Gold is an experienced precious metals explorer. Coral recently sold its flagship Robertson Gold property in Crescent Valley, Nevada to Barrick for $20 million and a royalty that increases with the price of gold. Coral is now refining its vision and focus for gold exploration in Nevada with over $20 million in cash, a favorable share structure, and three gold properties in the Crescent Valley region near Barracks Cortez Pipeline Operation. Coral is well positioned to pursue a number of growth opportunities now under consideration by management. Coral trades as CLH on the TSX Venture Exchange. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send an email to questions taylor at gmail.com that's questions the number four taylor at gmail.com now back to our program 
Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really have, glad to have with me once again Eric Coffin. Eric is a good friend of mine. He's a newsletter writer, competing newsletter writer, but he's very, very good. Uh, he, In terms of understanding the fundamentals of exploration stocks, and as I was mentioning in the segue to this part of the program, exploration is where most of the big percentage gains are made in the mining sector. The big guys will do well in a bull market. The Newmonts, the Gold Corps, the Agneagle Eagles, and all those guys will do quite well. But in terms of percentage gains, the uh, exploration guys, the little tiny market companies that can go out and find 5, 10 million ounces of gold can do extremely well. And by comparison of 5 million ounce discovery for a Newmont is not nearly as important as it is to a small market cap company. So, Eric, thanks so much for joining me again. Thanks for having me on again, Jay. Always happy Always to good. It. Always good to have you with me. And uh, I want to tell my listeners it's hraadvisory.com, hraadvisory.com, to, uh, to follow Eric and what he does with his very important newsletter uh, called HRA, the Hard Rock Analyst uh, Letter. And um, it, is, it is really about as good as any there is out there in terms of understanding the fundamentals and the exploration business. Uh, you know, what a difference a year makes, Eric. Uh, can you give our listeners a little sense of how your, uh, how your stocks are performing so far this year? Well, I can't really complain. I mean, the average of the... I mean, I've, I've been careful not to go crazy and, and start, you know, suddenly be following 200 stocks. I've, I've, that's never been my MO. I, I try to pick things carefully and keep the, keep the group of stocks I follow to something manageable. I've added 11 in the last year. Uh-huh. Uh, the average gain on those is about 300% right now. And mm-hmm. during that same period, I've had seven come off the list because they were taken over by producers. And really, I've, I've kind of, I guess, split the coverage. Uh, there's been two basic kinds of companies to, to really oversimplify things that I've been adding. Uh, one is sort of what I call development-level stories. That's somebody who's got a resource that I think the market hasn't paid a lot of attention to yet but that I think has the potential to be economic and that I expect the exit opportunity to be a takeover by a producer. Mm-hmm. The other the other group that I've focused on has been, as you, as you mentioned, earlier stage exploration stories, and I've been looking for companies that generally aren't uh, well followed when I start following them. I kind of like to be one of the first guys in, and I look for something that has demonstrably large potential. I mean, obviously, the potential is only only going to be realized if the if the drill bit uh, comes back with what we want. But also, ones where I like the model, I like the size potential, and obviously, very importantly, I've got uh, a lot of uh, trust and respect for the management because when you're dealing with an expiration stock, of course, management's extremely important because you, you basically need to have guys who know what they're doing. There's lots of people out there with expiration properties who don't know what they're doing, and I try to avoid those. Yeah, it's a good advice, and I guess you, well, I know that uh, Brent Cook paid a, con- a, a tribute to you once in the past and said, uh, Jay, there's nobody up there in the Vancouver market that knows these people better than, than Eric Coffin. So uh, I, I think knowing the people 
knowing uh, i mean you sit down and talk to these guys you look open up the maps the geological maps you get a sense of what the uh, of what the potential is from a from a geological point of view to a great extent but you know these guys personally you sit down next to them you have access to them more easily than i do certainly from uh, you're where the you're where the action is out there to a great extent in in vancouver in the western part of the of, of the continent um and um so you, I guess it's to a great extent it's the guys that have that, that you know that really have had the success and and the people that you know and and also I would mention that one of the things that's really important also is integrity and the ability of people to you know to tell it like it is and and uh, but I find generally speaking maybe you agree with me that geologists usually are a little you know they're scientists they're they're the people that have to they have a professional reputation to protect and so they they tend to be a little bit more reliable than some some of the other hot air artists, IR guys, sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, when I talk to a company, I mean, I, I got no, I don't have a problem with IR guys, I don't have a problem with promotion, but when I'm looking at a company and deciding whether, you know, I'm going to put my hand up or buy some of it and, and tell readers they should do the same thing, I want to talk to the to the technical guys and, and I want to talk to the CEO since obviously that's Absolutely. where the buck stops at the end of the day. And I mean, to give you a couple of examples, I mean, Colorado, which is one I think you mentioned there. Yeah. Uh, that's a stock I've followed for a while. I sat down with Adam Travis, who's a very experienced, very good geologist. Um, there's three or four guys in, in that company that are extremely well-known and, and successful geologists. And he was very hot on this target on uh, his KSM property up in what's called the Golden Triangle in BC. And he walked me through it and and, and I was impressed. I mean, it's got to be drilled, but it was quite easy to see that it had the potential for a multi-million ounce discovery and one that had grade. So I, I basically started pounding the table on this thing early this year when it was eight or nine cents. It's trading at about 65 now. They put out some results that were decent. Um, he's had another big move up in the last couple of days, and I think that was actually him being at the Sprout Conference last week. And obviously people that talked to him came away as impressed as I was a few months ago because he generated a lot of buying out of that. Um, a more advanced example I would give you is a company called GMV Minerals. This one's kind of, this one's interesting to me because I found it because I was looking for new development level stories and I sort of went about it by searching a little differently than other people might. I didn't go looking for um, news releases about resources. I went looking for news releases about metallurgy. Mm-hmm. And I found this one. Uh, it's not a, right now. It's not a large deposit. It's a little bit over half a million ounces in Southeast Arizona, but the metallurgy is extremely good. Very, very high recoveries, and that's a key thing when you're dealing with these oxide heap leach deposits. You need to have the recoveries. Um, and if you stack this one up, even though the the official grade is 0.7 grams, the recoveries are so high. Your recovery your recovery grades about above 0.6 and. That actually stacks up quite well against a lot of the uh, producers out there. And obviously the other thing that once I'd looked at the company and then I realized, having done that, that the guy running it, Ian Klassen, is a guy I've known for 20 years. Mm -hmm. The guy that's running the project, Dave Webb, is a guy I've known for 20 years. And that kind of sealed the deal for me, and I put my hand up for whatever placements were happening and wrote it up and introduced it to my readers. They actually put up more metallurgy this morning. That looks extremely strong, and one of the one of the most interesting results in the metallurgy. And I'm, I caution everybody that this is just a this is a wild ass guess on my part. But one thing that was interesting is all the samples in the bottle roll test, the 
calculated grade, which comes from basically measuring the gold that comes out during the bottle roll process and working the weight backwards to figure out what the assay is, was higher in all cases by 20-25% than the actual assay that they did before they started the bottle roll. This could just be a weird fluke, but one potential reason for this is simply that assays have been understating the grade all along, Uh um, which isn't out of the question given the kind of deposit this is. If that's the case, and their grade is actually you know point eight, point eight five rather than point seven, mm-hmm. um, somebody's taking the sucker out because you know it, it, it's a very simple, straightforward, good logistics, um, good good uh, good place to be in in Southeast Arizona. I don't think they'll have permitting issues. They're about to start drilling again. Um, Dave Webb walked me through the drill holes he's planning, and I think there's pretty good potential for them to take this half million ounces to seven or eight hundred thousand ounces. And it's probably still going to be open in some of these zones. And you're, you get up into that size range with something with this potential economics. I, I think somebody takes it out before 2017 is over, frankly. Yeah. Do you see uh, you see some exploration potential for it? Does any any high grade yeah. under you know deeper potential there, or is it just really an oxide? Yeah, there, well, there may be some of the historic results, and you know they came from an operator that's kind of yeah a little bit on the sketchy side, so. Yeah. They haven't been talking about this at all, but there are there are some historic, fairly high-grade results that came out of this project. They mm-hmm. are going to look into that. They're also looking into the uh, deeper um, units. I mean, all of this stuff is in the volcanics near surface. It's, I mean, it's open pit, open pitable. Right below that is a series of uh, sedimentary rock units that are essentially the same as the ones in the Carlin trend and a couple of the other high-grade trends in Nevada. Those have never been drilled. Webb is trying to figure out a way to target those, but he mentioned to me that um, he did get his hands on a bunch of the old core. One of those holes did actually get drilled down into that deep stuff. Mm. And he said it's really interesting-looking core. He, he's not 100% sure where the collar location is, so he's, he didn't bother asking it because he can't report it. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. he's pretty intrigued by that. The other thing, too, is there are a number of parallel structures in both directions uh, that are basically sitting the same way as the structures that control the mineralization. Those are kind of out in the flats. Mexican hat is is a hill. The the resource is actually on the side of a hill. Um, when you get on the flats, apparently the overburden isn't actually very deep. It's only two or three meters, but there's yeah. really no outcrop off the hill. So he's going to be doing some geophysics and geochemistry because he, he thinks he's got good odds of finding repeats out in the flats that, that have never been drilled before. So, yeah, there is there is actually a fair amount of exploration potential. Well, it sounds like there might be a pretty low stripping ratio, low mining cost there too as well, Eric, huh? Yeah, the, the strip ratio in the resource that they calculated last year is about 1.5 to 1. Um, the potential here is for what's called run-of-mine production, which means wow. <laughs> no multi-stage crush, Problem and probably no agglomeration. Those mm. are two fairly high cost sure. parts of the process for heat bleach. If this is run of mine, both the capex and the opex would be quite low, and that's why I'm looking. Even though this is a five or six hundred thousand ounce deposit right now, mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of trouble envisaging somebody taking this thing out because it could All be right. a small but very profitable operation. Let me ask you, Eric, what's the price and sort of what kind of market cap is on it now? It's trading right now. Today, it's trading at about forty-seven cents Canadian, which uh-huh. is at a market cap of just under ten million Canadian. Ten million I'm Canadian, pretty, or about seven million U.S. Yeah, 
it's fairly tight. There's only about 22 million shares out. Uh, oh. Seven or eight guys have about a million shares each. Most of those, according to management, and I know who some of them are, most of those are, are industry guys, mining executives, um, who are quite well aware of what the potential is here. I don't see those guys as sellers. I, I added it to the journal about a week ago because there were warrants uh, coming due in a couple of weeks, and I expected to see some selling off of that, and I wanted people to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. there may be a there's a hedge fund that bought about a million shares about a year ago, and they've been trying to get these guys to do a deal to sell a project cheap, which they've obviously said no to. I suspect those guys might be the sellers in the market right now, which I'm completely fine with. Yeah, um, gives, gives people an opportunity. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, there you have it, folks. Uh, there's a freebie from Eric Coffin. He's given you one of his uh, most recent picks. But uh, if you really want to take advantage of Eric's ongoing information and advice, I would suggest you go to hraadvisory.com, sign up for his letter, a uh, very reasonably priced letter. Uh, Eric, uh, what you also have a very fine metals investor forum that I was very privileged to be a part of last year. Uh, tell our listeners about that, and when do you expect to have another one? We did, we did one in May, which was two days, and as, as you well know, the uh, the newsletter editors, including yourself, are invited to it, and those newsletter editors in turn invite companies to it. The, the only companies that present at these forums are companies that have been invited by the newsletter writers that are also presenting there. Uh, that the last one was two days, really successful, great crowd. Yeah, um, it was wonderful. All the guys, including Jay, did a great job on the presentations. The next one is coming up on, I believe it's the 12th of November. I will mm-hmm. be sending out, start sending out invites on that relatively soon, and I'll probably try to make sure we get you up there again, uh, Jay, so you can enjoy Vancouver in November. Which oh, is quite, yeah. It's not quite as nice as Vancouver in May, granted. No. <laughs> <laughs> But Vancouver is a favorite town of mine. Anytime, I'd be I'd love to go. But I, more importantly, because of the the quality of the uh, of the event, Eric and you and Scott Gibson have done a remarkable job, I think, in uh, in providing you know some excellent excellent uh, companies up there. So it's uh, it's well worth it. I just want my listeners to be aware of that. And of course, we'll have you back on hopefully to to talk about it uh, as we near that date and. And more often well, than that, I hope. If you don't subscribe, if you add yourself to the free list on the hraadvisory.com site, you'll, you will be one of the people getting an invite once those invites start going out. Oh. I mean, the, the list that it goes to after the subscribers is the free list. So, Okay, there you, you have it, folks. Invite, H- that's the one to make sure you get one. H- hraadvisory.com, go there, put your name on the list, and you'll uh, be prompted to... Um, uh, to to attend, or giving the, the opportunity and the invitation to attend, Eric. Anything else? We got about thirty seconds left here. Anything else you'd like to say before we just? Uh, well, I, I never thought we'd have a summer pullback. We haven't yet, and based on the way things are going, to me it looks pretty unlikely like we're going to. Um, you know, the negative rate environment that I think is driving everything and is behind everything doesn't look to me like it's changing anytime soon. Uh, no. Numbers are numbers are weakening in the U.S., and they've been weakening everywhere else for three or four months. So I think these negative rates are here for a while. Yeah, very, very uh, gold-friendly, gold and silver-friendly, no doubt about it. I think it's hard yeah. to argue 
I make the old argument that people always made for so many years. Oh, you don't get any interest on your uh, on your gold. Why would you own the the stupid metal? And of course, how much interest are you getting in putting your money in the bank these days? So it's uh, negative in well, some places. Well, the gold price is going up, which is kind of nice. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Well, it's really nice for the companies and the economics of these companies, Eric. It really is. What a difference a year makes. Uh, what a difference six, seven, eight months make, actually. But uh, thanks so much yeah, for being we're, with we're us. All and, overdue. And and thanks so much. Yeah, five year bear market. But uh, thanks so much for your for passing along your. Uh, your insights, Eric, and always good to hear from you, and we'll do it again sometime soon, I hope. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. Right. Thanks, Jay. All right, folks. Well, don't go away. We're going to be back with William Angdahl. He's going to address the question as to whether the CIA is friend or foe of ISIS. Really interesting content, I think, so you won't want to go away. Also, he'll talk a little bit about some of the economic implications uh, of what all that, the failed coup in Turkey means or might mean. So don't go away. We'll be right back with William Angdahl. Primetals Mining is a growth-focused mineral exploration company creating value through the exploration and development of its 100% owned near-surface Gold Springs Gold Silver Project in mining-friendly Nevada and Utah. Trimetals has only drilled less than 10% of the gold targets at Gold Springs, and it already has a robust preliminary economic assessment. Trimetals believes there is a significant potential to increase the gold mineral resource through further drilling. Trimetals shares are listed on the OTCQX and the TSX under symbols TMIAF and TMI respectively. Brazil Resources Incorporated is developing projects with a total of 10 million ounces of gold resources. These acquisitions were made at discounted prices during the recent commodities market downturn. The company is a go-to name for leverage to the rising gold price among institutions and analysts. It is also exploring the highly prospective Rea Uranium project with JV partner Arriva in the western Athabasca Basin. Get to know this exciting company now by visiting brazilresources.com. TSXV, BRI, OTCQX, BRIZF. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again uh, William Angdahl. William uh, is a prolific author. Uh, we've talked to him in the past about The Gods of Money, which is, I think, one of the most important books that Americans should read to understand who is really behind the politics and the propaganda and everything that we get here in America. Uh, but more, uh, more recently, his most recent book is The Lost Hegemon, who the gods uh, would destroy. And that uh, is a book we want to draw on today for the topic of today. The, you know, the Americans basically think that the uh, the CIA is our friend, that the CIA is here to protect us Americans. Uh, and uh, that is uh, the question. Is the CIA friend or foe 
uh, of ISIS, and that's the was the question I posed for today's show, and we want to try to get some sense of that from uh, from from Mr. Angdahl. Thanks for joining us again, William. Thank you, Jay. I'm glad to be with you. Always good to have you with us, and and I want to tell people it's it's WilliamAngdahl.com. E-N-G-D-A-H-L.com, WilliamAngdahl.com. Go there and partake of, of many good articles that uh, William writes and, and other information that you can get through that site, as well as purchasing his books. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, William, you know, you, you've had some very interesting things to say about the failed coup in Turkey, and that's one of the things I want to I want to focus on today, if we can. Um your view is uh, your view is that the CIA was behind this coup, uh, and I also believe that you wrote more recently that you think that that was sort of a trial run. What we saw and the real McCoy may yet lie ahead of us. Uh, could you explain why you're suggesting that the CIA was behind this this coup d'état effort? The organization inside Turkey that has been named by many people, not simply the uh, Erdogan. Uh, AK party is an organization called uh, the Fetullah Gulen organization. In Turkish, they abbreviated FETO, the Fetullah terrorist organization. It's uh, outlawed inside Tur- in Turkey now since about a year, year and a half. The creation of the Gulen or Fetullah Gulen is a 75-year-old. Uh, something or other, sitting in Sailorsburg, Pennsylvania. If people know where that is, it's on the foothills of the beautiful Poconos. Right. And he's been there since 1988, 90, 98, 99, in exile. And in 2006, he managed to get an extraordinary green card as an exceptional international scholar over and above the objections, interesting enough, the objections of the lawyers for the U.S. State Department and also for Homeland Security, which at that time were watching out for potential Islamist uh, danger organizations. And in their testimony, the State Department said that the Gulen organization uh, is believed to receive money, and it has something like $50 billion worth of assets globally, including charter schools. I think they run 150 charter schools in, in the United States. with tax Islamic, uh, We're talking Islamic charter schools, right? Yeah, yeah. And what they do, what they've done in many cases, in Texas and other places, the state authorities began investigating charges of, of stealing the money, uh, charges of bringing unqualified uh, Turkish nationals in from, from Istanbul or wherever in Turkey they bring them, but members of the Gulen sect in as teachers over and above qualified, certified uh, American teachers, mm. supposedly to teach English and uh, history and various subjects that don't require a certain Turkish cultural bias. So the uh, charter schools are used, and this has been quite documented, they are used kind of like the Church of Scientology as a recruiting ground for the sect. And they get young, impressionable adolescents and really put them through testimony of, of defected members who have gotten out uh, and anonymously told about their experience. They were terrified to be identified. They describe it as a kind of brainwashing. You only read the writings of, it's like the 
early Jesuit order under Ignatius Loyola, it reminds me, but uh, uh, you only read the works of the great uh, sage uh, Fatula Gulen, and then you're told what to do for your career. You're directed where to go. And in Turkey, what they have done over the last three decades, they've been active in Turkey, boring from within, uh, is to infiltrate the army, which was the bastion of the Kemal Ataturk national state, was the army as the guardian of the constitution, is what Ataturk set up. And what they did, they they knew, the CIA knew that they had to destroy that nationalist current inside the army if they were going to use Turkey as their cat's paw in the Islamic world and going all the way into China because they're Turkic Uyghur people in Xinjiang province in western China where all the oil and gas pipelines crisscross and so forth. So they built this thing. It's an amazingly vast organization. They have schools, hundreds of schools in Germany, and German politicians seem to be completely blind and take at face value when they say we're for peace and brotherhood and so this was years ago before the refugee uh, war refugee crisis uh, last year and so they are building schools all over germany and uh, recruiting people to their to their cult and uh, one german islam professor in marburg university uh, she's now retired called the gulen organization the most dangerous islamist organization in germany because nobody suspects them of being militant, but they are. Well, in, in Turkey, they infiltrated the military, as I've said, the candidates to, jo to join the uh, officer candidate school in the Turkish military, you have to go through rigorous, difficult examinations. Well, Gulen people got a hold of the examination and gave them the answers, so they got in with a, you know, with a breeze. And then once they were in, they promoted you know, themselves up the ranks, and there was no internal intelligence, strangely enough, but it was kind of knocked out over the course of years, so that uh, the nationalists had no idea how, how their uh, officer corps was being infiltrated by this. Uh, so, the coup d'etat, well, let me backstep a minute. Fatullah Gulen got an extraordinary green card against the uh, recommendation of the U.S. State Department in 2006-2007. And, and, and the Homeland Security, you say, as Homeland well, right? Yeah. On the intervention of three important people, Graham E. Fuller, the former CIA station chief in Turkey, and a fellow named George Fetus, a 31-year career man at the CIA, and, by the way, uh, Graham E. Fuller is an expert on Islam. He's the architect in the Reagan administration, Reagan-Bush, of the Iran-Contra strategy. Mm. He was up to his eyeballs in blood in the Mujahideen CIA operation against the Red Army Soviets in, in Afghanistan in the 80s. And that's kind of his whole life, is just wrecking things. So, Graham E. Fuller, according to independent Turkish journalists, was on an island, 20 minutes boat ride from Istanbul on the night of the coup d'etat. Now, isn't that interesting? Ah. And the other person with him on the island is an old friend of his uh, by the name of Henry Barkey, also a former CIA man. 
now at Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, a 30-minute drive from the home of Fatula Goon. Isn't that also interesting? Yeah. So, these CIA figures with 17 other people, the hotel management uh, couldn't identify them. They were all anonymous and very secretive and went into a reserved room that was locked and they stayed there most of the night. I guess the, they had to give, get uh, food and, and drink in the course of the night, so uh, the bellboys saw that they were watching the, the television broadcast of, of the failed coup. as an mm-hmm. But uh, so they were right on the scene. And the, uh, the involvement of the U.S. ambassador hasn't been documented, but it's my firm conviction that his name is John Bass, like the fishy guy. Uh-huh. He was ambassador in Georgia when Saakashvili, this gangster, was, was U.S. choice as president of Georgia before he had to flee for his uh, uh, life and, and go to Ukraine where the U.S. set him up in a fallback place. And the, uh, um, the, so he is now ambassador in Ankara. Uh-huh. And uh, he was also in Iraq, had some very dirty dealings with Dick Cheney's Halliburton, and had to leave Iraq under a shadow. But it seems that U.S. ambassadors nowadays are not schooled in diplomacy. They're schooled in dirty tricks and regime change, you know, coup d'etat, like what the CIA did. Well, William, let me just stop you for a second. It seems to me, if we back up in this story with this uh, Gulan character, Fatula Gulen, Gulen, that that the CIA seems to have it seems to be omnipotent in a sense, and that here the you know over the objections of of the State Department, I think you said, and Homeland Security, uh, the CIA gets its way. I mean, as as if the uh, the branches of the elected government have nothing to say about it. Well, that's more or less. Keep in mind, this was Dick Cheney's uh, tenure, two thousand seven, two thousand six. Cheney Bush, but uh, Dick Cheney was more or less running the show, and he would have weighed in on the side of the CIA to get Gulen in, in safe exile because this was a huge uh, global organization that the you know spiderweb that they had created through the Gulen networks and still have. They they they're as far uh, afield as Sudan. They they have schools in Nigeria. And uh, oh, so many countries. It's it's really uh, in Uzbekistan and Kyrgyzstan, the former Soviet Union, uh, Central Asian republics. Uh, they set up, and the, the former head of Turkish intelligence, before he passed away, wrote his memoirs and said it was documented that there were 130 CIA agents masquerading in those Gulen schools as native English teachers, and all of them diplomatic passports. Now, I, years ago, was an English teacher, and no one offered me a diplomatic passport. <laughs> so, no, it's, I, I think this is a little bit strange. Um, you know, there was a quote I'm looking for from your book, uh, from uh, Golan, that essentially, and I can't find it right now, but essentially he was talking about how necessary it was to infiltrate and to go about your business as if you were a peaceful, loving, caring citizen within a society until you've gained enough power 
uh, until you have control of all of the uh, all of the institutions, essentially, or have infiltrated to the point where you have control, and no. then you and then you really uh, and then you really go after it. And and so what you're saying is sort but of plan. I, I, plan- I have the quote in front of me, actually. Yes, please, if you could. Yeah. Uh, in the 1990s, he told a, a closed-door assembly of his followers, which is secretly monitored by the Turkish intelligence when it was not a uh, Erdogan government. Gulen said, quote, you must move in the arteries of the system without anyone noticing your existence until you reach all the power centers. You must wait for the time when you are complete and conditions are right. Until we can shoulder the entire world and carry it, you must wait until such time as you have gotten all the state power in Turkey. Until that time, any step taken would be too early, like breaking an egg without waiting the full 40 days for it to hatch. Imam Fethullah Gulen. Yeah, it, it reminds me very much of a... Um uh, it reminds me very much of a quote going back, uh, way back in history, uh, to Cicero. He said, a nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known and carries his banner yep. openly. Mm-hmm. And, and so what he, and, and so, uh, but the traitor moves amongst those within the gate freely his sly whispers rustling through the alleys heard in the very halls of government itself. For the traitor appears not a traitor. He speaks in accents familiar to his victims, and he wears their face and their arguments. He appeals to the business, to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city, he infects the body politics so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to fear. The traitor is the plague. And so it seems to me what this guy has done is essentially he's followed that model. And he is infiltrated. And here he is in the Pocono Mountains in the United States going about. He's a friend of the CIA. He gets cover and protection. And he has schools that are being planted in the United States too, these Islamic schools that are probably perhaps harboring the same kind of hatred towards the establishment. It is really incredible. Yeah. Uh, your readers or listeners would do well to Google uh, Fatullah Gulen Charter Schools in the U.S. Uh-huh. And you'll get unbelievable uh, series of articles of state investigation, police raids, and so forth. They've embezzled, they've been charged with embezzling millions of dollars of taxpayer money. Right, and uh, they simply don't care. But they get the, but he gets the protection from the CIA, oh. and no doubt from Hillary Clinton when she's the president, uh, oh, will be the same thing, right? Well, she was Secretary of State, and he got that protection. Yeah. Anyway, it's Fatula is spelled F-E-T-U-L-L-A-H. Fatula. H-U-L-L-A-H. Yeah. So people, so that they Google it. I, I would encourage my listeners to do that. Become aware of what is really going on. You're not going to hear any of this stuff in the, uh, in the, in the nightly news, that's for sure. But, well, what uh, done, uh, Jay, what they've done is very interesting. Uh, instead of focusing on a coup d'etat attempt at a democratically elected president in a NATO country, they focus on the roundup that, uh, that Erdogan's people are making of this Gulen network and saying this is anti-democratic without any, any proof that it's anti-democratic. 
you know, this yeah. is a coup d'etat. This, is, yeah. this was a near thing. Yeah, and outside coup d'etat by the CIA, no doubt, uh, according to your work. At least that's the very, yeah. I think, very well-founded. Well, and NATO, the, the and NATO. of NATO that's connected with people like uh, General David Petraeus and so forth. This in is your, a role work that overlaps the Pentagon and the CIA. Now, in your book, uh, The Lost Hegemon, you provide a great deal of of uh, information and documentation. You document the uh, these connections between the CIA uh, and ISIS and, and the Muslim Brotherhood going way back in time to the Eisenhower years, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the and then and then the connection between the Muslim Brotherhoods and the Saudis, who we've of course the devil that the United States has gotten in bed with, uh, with its uh, monetary regime and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and, but there's a very interesting chapter in your book where it talks about, you know, when the walls of of of, um, of Germany of East Germany when when the Soviet Union fell. And the walls came down in Berlin. Uh, a very interesting quote there from uh, from uh, from a Gianno, Gianfranco Miglio, Italian professor, that talked about why you know at that point in time there were hopes and dreams that we could have a peaceful world, that we could go about uh, having a, a peaceful world. But can you explain a little bit, maybe um, uh, talk a little bit about what uh, Mr. Miglio said? Uh, Italian professor said about why that didn't work out that way. Well, the first thing uh, to look at is why it was when the Soviet Union raised the white flag of surrender. Gorbachev said, uh, "We can't, we can't manage it. We'll give you East Germany. Just don't put it into NATO. Don't bring NATO into the former uh, communist countries like Poland and so forth. It's a national security issue. If you keep those countries neutral." Uh, all we want to do is to stabilize Russia's economy, to develop uh, and be, be friends with the West. We don't yes. want a Cold War anymore. And what happened? Well, the U.S. reneged on its promises, or, or Washington, uh, as it does so often in history. They uh, betrayed the trust that the Russians put into the U.S., that they were genuine in wanting peace and cooperation. They wanted to break Russia. They brought in George Soros and uh, the Harvard shock therapy boys, Jeffrey Sachs and others, to prepare Russia for the most savage looting uh, of uh, any, economy, any economy in history. And it was only in 1999 when a faction of nationalists in and around a young, uh, briefly head of the FSB, the internal security, the former KGB, uh, Vladimir Putin, who came out of St. Petersburg networks, uh, they managed to get Putin first as prime minister under Yeltsin and then as president in uh, complicated dealings by 1999. And this nationalist faction began to stop the hemorrhage, the draining of, of assets of corporations, the, you know, the crown jewels of Russia that the West was stealing. And uh, so suddenly the Western press started demonizing Putin and everything that Putin was doing is just the opposite of what it was. Right. Okay, so okay. Uh, uh, so we, we really only have a, about two minutes, a minute and a half or so left. Tie this in with what's going on now, the attempted coup d'etat on Turkey. Why would the CIA be trying to do this? And why also uh, is NATO surrounding Russia right now with troops? Well, the uh, this is all foreplay. NATO on the troops on the borders, but it's a dangerous foreplay. 
The Turkish Erdogan government, beginning in May, began secret back-channel talks with Putin to try to mend the rupture in relationships with the shooting down of, of the Russian jet over Syria late last year. Sure. And uh, that resulted in an open agreement to resume talks about the Russian Gazprom gas pipeline uh, to, the, to Turkey called the Turkish Stream, which was broken off after the shooting down, and to uh, allow Russian tourism, which was a $10 billion industry for, for Turkey, a huge thing, uh, allow, allow those charter flights to resume, and uh, a number of other negotiations on, uh, on the economic front, and we don't know on the security front what was there. And part of the quid pro quo was that Erdogan and the Turkish government uh, began a dialogue with Bashar al-Assad, who used to be a close friend of Erdogan, by the way, mm -hmm. until the, the NATO faction inside Turkey began pushing this war and pushing Turkey's role in it. So I think the timing of it had very much to do with this tilt toward Russia, because Erdogan realized he was being set up, that the U.S. was about to take 45% of Turkish land area and give it to a Kurdish autonomous uh, Kurdistan, uh. together with land from Syria and together with land from Iraq and ultimately from Iran. And that that is the name of the game of the U.S. And that's the name of the game, by the way, of if you look at the map of exactly where Daesh or ISIS has their yeah. stronghold and where al-Nusra, the friends of John Kerry's moderate Islamists, <laughs> so-called moderate, yeah, 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 and that's so, uh, it's part of this whole game. So, uh, so it's, all, it's all economics. It's all about grabbing power, wealth uh, for your own purpose, and and to hell with the people you have to murder in the way. Of course, oil and gas. Yeah, oil and gas. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. William, thank you so much for being with us again and explaining this to us again. Uh, go to William's website. It's very, very important. Lots of really great articles there. More importantly, buy his latest book, The Lost Hegemon whom the gods would destroy. If you really want to understand what's going on behind the scenes as opposed to the to the version you're getting uh, from the nightly news, follow William Engdahl. It's really imperative that you do if you care about your country and if you care about the truth. Well, that's all the time we have. Next week, we're going to have uh, uh, Jeff Dice, formerly Ron Paul's chief of staff, as well as uh, the Reverend Larry Bean. They're going to be with us to talk about economic hedonism and how that's led the American Anglo-American empire down the tube. So, it should be a very interesting show next week. I hope you'll be with us. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Trimetals Mining is a growth-focused mineral exploration company creating value through the exploration and development of its 100% owned near-surface Gold Springs Gold Silver Project in mining-friendly Nevada and Utah. Trimetals has only drilled less than 10% of the gold targets at Gold Springs, and it already has a robust preliminary economic assessment. Trimetals believes there is a significant potential to increase the gold mineral resource through further drilling. Trimetals shares are listed on the OTCQX and the TSX under symbols TMIAF and TMI respectively. 
Carl Gold is an experienced precious metals explorer. Carl recently sold its flagship Robertson Gold property in Crescent Valley, Nevada to Barrick for $20 million and a royalty that increases with the price of gold. Coral is now refining its vision and focus for gold exploration in Nevada with over $20 million in cash, a favorable share structure, and three gold properties in the Crescent Valley region near Barracks Cortez Pipeline Operation. Coral is well positioned to pursue a number of growth opportunities now under consideration by management. Coral trades as CLH on the TSX Venture Exchange.